Welcome to Enough with the Small Talk. I'm your host, Katie Lane. I'm your pain recovery coach and life coach, here to help you navigate this little thing we call living. Are you done with the surface level life? Over surface level conversations, you're craving that deep emotional support where you can bear your soul to someone who cares? That's me. I'm that person. I'm that best friend that everyone thinks is their therapist, you know, except I'm not a therapist, but that's okay. I'm here to emotionally support you, help you acknowledge and recognize the things that you've actually gone through, and to show you that what you feel is valid and that the key to moving forward and healing is understanding exactly who you are. So I can't wait to dive in. Hello there. It's been a while. This, ooh, this is, uh, this has got a special place in my soul right here. Um, we are, welcome back to another Warrior Spotlight. What is a Warrior Spotlight? A Warrior Spotlight is an episode done with a previous client of mine or a current client of mine. Um, so Olivia goes by Liv. Her and I work together. Um, she was in the Back Pain Lady Club. The Back Pain Lady Club is now evolved into the inner circle. Same concept, group setting, group support um, with access to my online course, Self-Paced Empowered Healing. And Liv is someone who shared a similar injury to me. Um, but this is really us taking the time to dive into her story, giving her the opportunity on a very public platform to share the ins and outs the struggles, the fights, the battles that she's gone through. And the underlying message on this one, something that's near and dear to live, something that's super extremely important, something that she feels really passionate about, is diving into the mental health aspect of dealing with an injury, diving into the emotional aspect. Um, She does such an excellent job on this episode, as you guys will see, being just completely open and honest. And I truly commend her for this, doing this and talking about this so openly on a public platform. These are the types of conversations that save other people's lives, so 110%. So I'm not going to keep you too long here in the intro. We're going to dive right in. The first part of our Warrior Spotlight is Liv sharing the details of her injury, kind of highlighting the battle that she's had in the medical world, getting answers, doctors, really the similar kind of fight that a lot of us facing an injury, herniated disc specifically kind of find ourselves in. And then her and I will segue right into the meat and potatoes um, of the hardcore emotional and mental health aspect of this injury. So put your seatbelt on, tighten up your bootstraps. Here we go. So Liv is 33 years old. She's a civil engineer from Vermont. So if you just want to share a little bit about your injury and what happened in your story, that would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, if we go back like way back to like 2014, 2015, I was like Mm. an avid exerciser, avid CrossFitter, um, exercising for speed basically and um so you know a lot of people listening will probably be most people will probably be familiar with what crossfit is but essentially it's like exercise racing do it like body weight exercise and then you can also like get like dumbbells and barbells and stuff like that so yeah 2014 i blew out a disc um (laughs) 
Yeah, like my L4, L5 deadlifting. And I think I was probably around that time, I think I was 23 years old. So it never caused sciatica or anything. Like I definitely had quite like a bit of back pain for, you know, a few months, but it didn't even stop me from like exercising. I was just like aware it was there and kind of like, you know, worked around it. But like, I like, it didn't really affect my life at all. Like I knew that something was not right, but I just, you know, kind of kept going and I, you know, crossfitted for like four four years after that I continued doing CrossFit and everything. Did you get an MRI or anything at the first time? No, I didn't for that at all. And, you know, in hindsight, like I probably should have, but I had like just, we had just moved down to Washington, DC. I didn't have like a primary care provider. I didn't really like have a doctor I could go to like that. So, and again, like the pain wasn't so severe that I felt like I needed. I just noticed like Oh, when I'm like stretching my neck, I can feel the mm. nerve, like, you know, I can feel right. it in my lower back. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. But so at um, the time, <laughs> at the time, did you know it was herniated or, you know, that now looking back, I think now looking back, I know that, mm. um, I had definitely like suspected it, but again, like I didn't have sciatica. So like everything I had ever heard about like herniated disc was, oh, it's going to cause sciatica. So mm. because I didn't really have that, like I didn't, you know, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't take it seriously, but it didn't really, you know, it didn't really scare me as much as it would have probably. Yeah. It wasn't debilitating. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. So it was just like, you know, kind of, you know, kind of sore basically. And, um, you know, it's something I just like, like told myself, okay, I guess got to smarten up a little bit. Um, and it really like, you know, it really didn't bother me. Eventually it felt like 100%. Um, And, you know, continuing CrossFit and then probably, I think in like 20, was it like late 2016, um, I had, I injured my back again and it was, mm. it was back squatting and I was like in the bottom of a squat and just felt it like totally give. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was the same, I don't know if it was the same disc or anything, or I don't know if that was like really just like a pulled muscle or even like I had a doctor tell me once, like, no, it's your SI joint got dislocated. So I don't even know for sure, like what happened, but in, um, from, from 20, late 2016 to early 2017, within a four month period, I threw my back out three times. And so March, 2017, I was just like, I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. Like if I continued on this road, like I'm, I'm going to be completely debilitated for the rest of my life. And my mother, like I grew up with a mother who like suffered back pain, had like a microdiscectomy when she was 17 years old for her knee. Wow. Surgeries back then were a lot different, right? So yeah. She's still feeling it now, but like, you know, so I just been like, you know, I just, I don't see this going well if I continue down this road. So I quit CrossFit, but I stayed active. I got into mountain biking. I still like, you know, did high intensity exercise on my own, but I never really got it back into like the heavy, like Olympic lifting or power lifting or anything. Like yeah. That. Um, so again, it was like, that was actually an adjustment, like quitting CrossFit because at that point I had been doing it for a while, kind of became part of my identity. And like, I had been talking to you previously about how, like at that point in my life, you know, exercise was my outlet for stress and anxiety. And I was definitely like one of those people for a while who took pride in like 
I don't need to be on medication anymore. I have all my lifestyle choices. I have a healthy diet. I exercise five, six times a week. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I don't need any pills to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, looking back, it was just such a kind of like privileged and like naive outlook on it because, you know, as we'll get into, as I'm, you know, figuring out more and more as I get older, like it's just not always that simple. Um, right. So, um, so I was fine. Like, so yeah, 2017. So it kind of took me a while to, you know, recover from those like recurring injuries. And, um, you know, I, for the most part, again, felt fine, really didn't affect my life at all, aside from the fact that I just like didn't feel like I could do CrossFit anymore. And yeah. um, so I was like running a lot. I was mountain biking. I was cycling, like road biking a lot, um, pretty much doing whatever I wanted. Um, 2019, and I'm not, I'm still not sure, but I'm like pretty, I highly suspicious that this kind of like affected my like future injuries um mm. I was working out and I was doing like uh shoulder presses with a dumbbell overhead with a 25 dumbbell uh, pound dumbbell and the dumbbell I was using I don't know what it must have been like damaged or something because the end of it fell off <gasps> yeah oh while my it was, gosh like, all the way above my head and it fell on my right big toe and like totally crushed it oh <laughs> so yeah it really hurt holy um, shit yeah. so <laughs> that I didn't go to the hospital for <laughs> um and you know got an x-ray they were like yeah it's broken and so at this point I don't even have any like joint mobility in that big toe it gets sore it's like arthritis. you like could have sued that gym like were you at it a was gym? the gym at my work and they didn't even like they were just like well you know you're in there on your own time it wasn't like you were at the gym at work I was like but during during the work day you know I went there like but I was just like but this was a work facility like oh gosh I didn't I was about to kind of fight it and then like yeah 2020 rolled around and I just kind of like ran out of time but um Anyway, so that's kind yeah. of a whole <laughs> other story. Yeah. But, um, so I broke my big right toe. And um, again, in hindsight, like, you know, this is where the medical system kind of fails us, right? Because I like went for a follow-up appointment to check on like how it was healing and stuff like that. Looking back, like I should have been in physical therapy when I started mm-hmm. walking again. Um, nobody really told me that. I was just like, well, you don't want to start working, walking too early. You know, it might affect how the toe's healing or whatever. What happened was my gait when I started working was complete, well, walking again had changed. It was like yeah. completely off. Um, and when I started walking again, I started cycling. I started doing like indoor cycling classes and stuff. And I herniated my AL5S1. Mm. So I have two discs in my lower back that are essentially like, you know, don't have like this structural integrity that mm-hmm. they should have and I feel like a lot of people like are that like L5 L4 L5 L5S1 are like you know those oh are the, those are the go-to <laughs> yeah those are the go-to herniations yeah, yeah. which I think yeah. is like I just and I say this a lot I think that's honestly it's kind of a double-edged sword where it herniated discs in general are so common and and I yeah. think because of that 
in a sense, it gets so overlooked and underplayed. Yes. Yeah, Big time. Such a good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they're just like, you can be in the worst pain of your life and people are just like, yeah, you know, it's common. It's just a hurry need this. You just have to wait it out. I'm like, this is making me very depressed and really like affecting my life. And that's all you can tell yeah. me, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and you, you've been there, I know. So so yeah, I herniated. So I didn't actually, this I did not realize right off the bat. And I'll, I'll talk about again, how the medical system failed me again. Um, I started noticing it wasn't even a pain in my back. Um, it was what felt like a very deep tightness in my right uh, glute mm. um, that for a while, I just thought was um, a pulled muscle. For like a couple weeks, I just thought it was a pulled muscle. So I was trying to stretch the heck out of it. Um, I kept like cycling. Um, I went to like two physical therapists who each like did some testing. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, since it doesn't hurt in your lower back, we really don't think it's a disc. You can pretty much do whatever the heck you want. Like just keep stretching it. Like showed me all these, you know, stretches, which in hindsight probably made it worse. Mm. And pain started traveling um, again, still not in my lower back, but it started traveling down my leg and eventually it was all the way down to my foot. And by that point, it was absolutely debilitating. Um, by the time I got in to see another PT, they tried to tell me to do the McKenzie pushups. Mm -hmm. That made me like 200% worse. Mm. Um, I was in pain for nearly a year and not just like, you know, oh, it's bothering me a little bit. No, excruciating, like 100% affected my way of life, like affected my mental health. I was in pain for nearly a year before anyone would order me an MRI. And I was repeatedly told it's not affecting your life enough. Like I couldn't, I could barely drive like, and I have a manual. So it was like, you know, a lot of oh. you know, <laughs> very painful. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just like, I got to the point where I got so frustrated and I, you know, wish, I don't know if it would have been any different had I gotten an MRI sooner, right. maybe not, but I'll, I will tell you like the doctor that ordered me an MRI, um, you know, it was after I'd seen like three different physical therapists. Um, the third physical therapist was definitely like the best she did definitely like helped me make some improvements, but I just kind of ended up like plateauing with her. And then there was one session where I went in where we tried a bunch of different exercises, and it just like flared me up all over again. Then I, yeah. I was at the point where I was just like, all right, like maybe I just need to like switch again. Um, so I had this friend who told me about this osteopath that he had used. Um, so I got a hold of him and like the very first visit I saw this osteopath he was like yeah you need an MRI and it was just like such a relief um yeah somebody like finally saw me like you know I was just like this close to paying for one out of pocket uh, oh yeah what was going on but as soon as I got an MRI and he started treating me I started making massive improvements and um you know, after like a year, I would say of seeing him, I felt like not 100%, um, you know, still not really able to fully extend my like right leg if I was like sitting down, but like to the point where I felt like I, you know, I got back in the gym um, yeah. and I was 
doing pretty much whatever I wanted, like, except for heavy lifting, but like, you know, I wasn't deadlifting or squatting, but I could go about my day, could go to the gym without worrying about, you know, I just wasn't thinking about it all the time. It was not at the forefront of my mind anymore. And that was a really great feeling. And, um, then, uh, you know, uh, so kind of fast forward to late 2021, uh, you know, and earlier this year, um, I started dealing with some mysterious uh, pain kind of on the other side of my back, which mm. kind of started off as just like more of like a kind of a dull ache, like it'd feel kind of like weak. I'd like after the gym, I'd notice like, oh, it's kind of sore or whatever. Um, and then I kind of like recur, like kept like having like recurring episodes like every two weeks I would like yeah throw my back out but it wasn't even like doing anything like crazy it was like yep. carrying a crock pot down the hallway yes you know and uh-huh that, like, I think what happened um you know in terms of like my mental health was like you know I I probably hadn't been like really taking care of my mental health like I should have been anyways like I was like just consistently stressed to the max at work and I like wasn't exercising as much as I should have been and I wasn't eating as well and I wasn't sleeping as much as I should be and you know that kind of probably led to you know a breakdown of sorts but I think there was so much trauma so much past like it was really like PTSD like oh no, here we go again. Like a hundred percent for another two, two and a half years. And just the scary fact of like, in it, it just felt different because like last time there was like a very obvious, like there are very obvious triggers. This time I felt like, oh, I can't even like do things around the house without throwing mm-hmm. my back out in it, like scared the crap out of me. So then, you know, tried to start figuring out what was going on. Um, which took, you know, a lot of, you know, working the, the medical system again. Um, yeah. Being the same doctor. Um, I started, and I think, you know, looking back, I don't really know how much of like my symptoms at the time were really associated with my back or like the fact that my body was in a fight or flight state mm-hmm. like 100% of the time. But I started kind of having like, like noticing more like numbness and tingling down both legs. Um, I like, you know, had periods of time where I like couldn't stand for more than like, you know, five or 10 minutes without being in pain. Um, and just like had some pretty intense, like lower, um, like left back pain, like pretty consistently. Um, so the same doctor, um, ordered me another MRI and, Mm. um, this is one instance where I'm just like, maybe it would have been better if I didn't get the MRI because, it's a double-edged sword again. It is. It is. Um, so I got the MRI and like almost, I think I was almost hoping that would show like, oh, maybe it's herniated on the other side or something. Because even though I knew that would suck, I knew like, okay, I got better once and I can do right. it again. Like if it's a disc, I know it's something that can like improve. Mm-hmm. The MRI didn't really show anything. And in fact, it had showed that my, the herniation on my right side had reabsorbed like almost like probably wow. like 90%. So I was like really proud of that. Um, yeah. But that doctor just based on, and 
like looking back this was him just like you know making assumption based on the fact that there was nothing else in my mri that like could be causing my pain he was like well it's just arthritis then that sent me i mean you saw that was right around the time that i was in the inner circle and it sent me just spiraling out of control in terms of my mental health because i went from like okay like it's probably just a disc like not gonna worry about it i know i can get better to like this is like not this is gonna be progressive like this Mm. is uh, in like if this is arthritis like you know this is this is debilitating like this is i can't even you know i can't even like imagine living the rest of my life like this like i couldn't even function um, right like like learning that like this doctor saying that this pain is arthritis basically was equating you felt like he was saying there's nothing you can do exactly exactly yeah. like yeah. even though he did like and this was so this was my brain basically like catastrophizing everything because no even though he was trying to like convince like you know encourage me that like you know you are gonna feel better like he i think you know what he was basically meaning was like this is like um an arthritic pain episode not like this is the way you're gonna Mm -hmm. live your life for the rest of your life but but for me and like my catastrophic thinking brain, he was already in fight or flight mode. I was like, I'm never going to feel better. And just like thinking like, well, what am I going to do? What are my options? Like a lumbar fusion? Like, I don't want that. And having like already had issues with my SI joint, like I know that fusions can cause more issues with your SI joint. So my brain just went like in circles around this. And I started like, just completely catastrophizing like oh my god first it's gonna be my lower back and then my hips are gonna go and then my knees are gonna go and it was bad Katie like it was Mm -hmm. it was like I just felt like the equivalent like to me going insane and I stopped like I couldn't eat like I was just in Mm -hmm. panic mode all the time I could not eat anything I could not stomach food uh there's probably a span of like four or five weeks where I was just consuming like less than 500 calories a day I dropped 30 pounds in like three weeks um wow and and it wasn't until like you know I started on like medication for mental health and stuff that I was thinking you know like because I was in a lot of pain through this time too but I was also always in an elevated like state of stress um I was barely sleep I could not sleep my body wouldn't let me sleep so I was probably sleeping a few hours a night I wasn't moving because I was literally scared to move yes and I wasn't eating and so yeah my body hurt like (laughs) yeah your body was like shutting down it was literally shutting I started growing like dark hair on like my arms and stuff wow wild stuff started happening um and it was freaking scary like my hair started falling out um and you know strike three with the medical system is like when I first started having this pain like back in like December I went to my primary care provider and I was like you know I kind of wanted to get another opinion on the back stuff but I also went in saying you know I'm kind of starting to feel myself getting 
a little bit depressed and anxious over this, I think I might, I would like, you know, to talk about, you know, maybe going back on some medication. And she Mm -hmm. said to me, this is situational. I don't think we're there yet. So I, Hmm. given the mental health, you know, medication that I was seeking or, or even a, or even a resource, like, or even a resource, like, and I have a therapist and I was like working with my therapist, like throughout this, but like, you know, they just kind of, oh, you'll be fine. And like sent me on my way without any answers really. And the, I think what made it the hardest, like the hardest part about all this is every single practitioner I went to had a different opinion, not even opinion, but a different, like, um, this, uh, conclusion about what was happening so my primary care said this is a disc um Mm -hmm. you know my osteopath said this is arthritis well no first he said no this is just a pulled muscle and then like ultimately said this is our right arthritis my um physical therapist said uh this is your si joint i started seeing a chiropractor who said we don't really know what's going on um and so lo and behold like i you know I go through this phase of like getting really, really depressed, like honestly not being sure if I was going to make it. And I know that's yeah. dark, but I, my, that's literally live, live, <laughs> hold the phone here because I think this is a, I appreciate you sharing the level of depth of this because I think like, you know, you're saying that sounds dark, but I think it's so, it happens so often. And I think this is one of like my biggest missions is I know back pain, something that's so overlooked, so hyped up, so common. So many people are literally freaking suicidal because it is so debilitating and they're not getting help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. physically or emotionally. Because the mental aspect is so overlooked in the physical rehabilitation side of it. And honestly, like they all, they lack empathy and that's not to no fault of their own, but a lot of these practitioners have never been there. Like when I started seeing my physical therapist and he was a great physical therapist, don't get me wrong. Um, But like, you know, my first, you know, appointment with him, I'm like describing, you know, how this all started and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, you know how how it is when your back goes out and you're like, "Uh oh, and he was like, no, I've never had that happen before. And I was just like, Great. Well, you're not really <laughs> gonna be able to understand what I'm going through then, but he right. did. But he was a good physician. He did like help me a lot. But um, yeah. So, but there's so much. There's a lack of empathy, which makes you feel even more alone. Like, and for me, I couldn't get it out of my head that like every time I go and see a doctor, like for me, I'm just going through like the worst period of my entire life, and they're just sitting here like, oh send you on your way and then they're gonna go have dinner with their families after you know after they see you or whatever, which is how it should be and it's like not I'm not saying like things you know they should be taking stuff home with them but it's just a feeling of like I'm just a, another number to doctors yeah and they're so the system is so overwhelmed as it is that like mm-hmm. even the doctors like I've spoken to so many within and without, like within the system and then outside of the system. And like so many of them, it tears them up emotionally because they, they don't have the resources or the capacity to have the empathy and the time and the time that it really needs 
to be invested in someone's situation like yourself and so many others. Mm -hmm. Which is why the work that you do is so important because you can empathize and you can provide that support that's missing. You understand it. Like you've been through the medical system and, you know, and I mean, I'm like really fascinated by your story and just like how, I mean, I'm sure you got like fell into a really dark place when you were bedridden. Oh yeah. It was, it was, for me too, it was like a solid year of practically being bedridden. Like I could hardly leave my apartment. And I, one of the hard, I think the biggest thought for me was because I always wanted kids. Mm -hmm. Like I always wanted to be a mom. And like, that was the thought that like literally killed me. Like I, would just lay awake at night. Like I remember literally breaking down in the bathtub that I could hardly get into by myself and just absolutely having a mental breakdown because to me, I was like, I have no purpose here. Right. Yeah. Like, what am I even doing here then? Because to me, I had only saw like my future as being a mom. And I was like, I just couldn't see how it would be possible. And I had doctors literally tell me, which is bullshit that so that they never should have even said that to me that you'll never be able to have kids you'll never get better there's nothing that's going to work you know that's wild to me because i've actually had like a my like very trusted doctor my osteopath tell me that like actually ha- being pregnant and having kids can make it be better. beneficial because you have all like the regenerative um like processes and you're actually like spanning like the the space between those discs and it can make women better (laughs) that's what that's what nick said to me functional movement therapy he said like almost like it's gonna be interesting when the time comes he's like because what you just said he's like a lot of people it actually they feel better and Mm -hmm. you know i think this goes to show too like dr mccann who is another one of my main guys that I always talk about. He said on one of our videos, actually in the back pain lady club, when he was in there Mm -hmm. now the inner circle, but he said, it's not about the degree. It's about the experience of the practitioner. Mm -hmm. So like, and this is where you could see 20 different practitioners and have a different answer. Mm-hmm. and a different experience every time, mm-hmm. which that's good in a way, because it usually means there is always more hope, but it's such a process to find them. But it's also just so confusing, so exhausting. Mm-hmm. And you don't know which way to turn when you have eight yeah. different answers. Yeah. Yeah. You get fatigued almost. I get to, I get to the point, like eventually where oh, yeah. I was exhausted and I was just like, kind of throwing my hands up like you know what I don't even have the capacity to like hear any more perspectives exactly because after a while after like so many doctors like not helping you just kind of start to lose faith that anyone's gonna be able to help you which which stinks because it's you know everybody says like keep advocating advocating for yourself like you know don't stop you know like don't give up and it's I mean I'm one to say that too but when you're in the thick of it Mm-hmm. it's real hard to keep going um when you when you don't feel listened to and sometimes you feel even like 
I don't even know what to say, like mocked or like, you know, if you're really anxious and you go to see a doctor and they almost like down, you know, they really downplay it and make you feel like you're overreacting and you're, you know, I think they do it out of like trying to calm you down and trying to make you realize like, you know, you know, it's really not as bad as you're perceiving it to be, but it just feels very invalidating um, sometimes mm-hmm. with doctors like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, so come like end of February, I think I finally got on medication. Um, I had been working from home for like a few months, which like was one of those things like in hindsight, maybe it wasn't the right move because like when mm. I started having my, you know, that pain, I was like, well, if I work from home, then I can lay on the couch when I need to, I can take breaks when I need to, like thought I was doing the right thing for myself. And I'm, I can't blame myself for that because I truly, it truly felt like the right thing at the time. But I, you know, looking back, it isolated me. Um, I was just stuck in my own head. It was also like one of the most stressful periods at, at work that I had had in a long time. So that was like working at home. Stress, as we know, makes pain worse. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't until, in, and then I just developed a, agoraphobia. I couldn't leave my wow. house. I was terrified to even go for a walk around my neighborhood, mm. going outside at all was absolutely terrifying what Um, was that fear like like what about it was so terrifying I just like I knew that like as soon as I step foot outside the house like the pain's gonna set in Mm -hmm. and I I honestly think like looking back at it too it was like because I would just try to go for walks around my neighborhood like without my you know, without like my cell phone or like, you know, without any music or anything. And I think it was like being alone, like with my like circular thoughts, um, Mm -hmm. those thought cycles too, that made it bad. But, you know, I don't, I think it it was, I, maybe it wasn't like leaving the house in itself, but just like going back to what I was saying about, like, I had just a general fear of movement so which spilled over just into like fear of leaving my house I mean there was like a few weeks where I every single week I would try to go to the grocery store and I get in the grocery store and I would just have a full-blown panic attack in the middle of the grocery store and I couldn't get home fast enough um and uh it was it was traumatic it seems like a silly thing but it was so traumatic like thinking about like the you know things that you used to just be able to do things I used to look forward to doing I love grocery shopping you know yeah um I love leaving leaving the house and going to run errands and going to buy some plants and like you know yeah right and to just be like wow like I feel like I can't even do those things anymore I remember my my husband coming home on Valentine's Day um, it, with a gift card for me to his, uh, to my favorite, um, nursery. And mm. he brought it in for me with like a thing of flowers. And I just broke down like intense, intense breakdown. And I was just like, I wanted to get something for you. And I, but I just, and I, I was going to try to leave the house and I just couldn't. And mm. 
that was like, you know, I, of course at the same, you know, through all of this, I think there was a lot of feeling of just feeling again, like I didn't have a purpose and that I was bringing him down with me, Yeah, you know, like, he like you don't deserve to be cooped up in the house with me like you know uh, last winter you know the winter before last winter we would get out and go cross-country skiing go snowshoeing and I feel like I couldn't even do that I'm just like this is what my life is going to be like now am I just not going to be able to do anything fun with you know anything am I not going to be able to just like live my life like the way I want to the way we want to right Um, and it uh it really, it really got to me and he never, you know, he'd always, you know, be pretty quick to try to shut those feelings down for me. But, um, it was hard to feel like, you know, I didn't deserve him and that, you know, I, when you get really, really depressed too, I feel like you get into the mindset of like, I deserve this. I've done something to deserve this. And so Mm. started like a real big cycle of negative self-talk. Um, so end of February, I finally, finally got on an SSRI, which within a couple weeks, um, it helped me get back to work. And I noticed that, um, maybe like a week or so, um, after being on this, um, I don't know. I don't I wouldn't want to say like my pain levels decreased, but I was able to like work through them like more, um, like just just work through them rather than having them just like send me into a full-blown panic yeah um and you know the fears that I'd once had I'm like I can't even walk I'm so weak like weak my low back's so weak I can't even stand I can't even walk well that was true because I was just like sitting on the couch all day laying on the couch I was like literally losing core strength yeah of course it was hard to stand and walk so that got me out of the house. It got me moving more. It got me back to work. It got me like around other people again. Um, it didn't, you know, work like completely. I actually ended up switching to an SNRI um, a couple months ago. And um, this medication is actually known to really help with musculoskeletal pain because mm-hmm. it uh, has an effect on the... Uh, um, neo neopinephrine um like transmitters in your brain and actually like it's not like it like just it's not like a nerve ablation or something right where it just like yeah hides like something that's wrong but it literally like works with like the chemicals in your brain so that you don't actually perceive like you you perceive like less less pain i guess like less Hmm. levels of pain yeah and so that's just interesting to think about too because when we think about like you know, what pain is, it does come down to like our brain chemicals and yeah, that's, our- why, that's why stress and like inflammation and everything has such a huge effect on, mm. on our stress levels. And I've actually been working with my therapist lately to kind of identify a correlation between work, my work stress and when mm. my pain, pain levels flare up. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very strong correlation. Let me tell you. Um, I find this with all of my clients, yeah. stress, pain, yeah. stress. Uh, I forget people can't see us on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising my hands up. Yeah. Stress goes up, pain yeah. elevates. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I just had a session yesterday where, so I had a vacation 
um, a couple weeks ago, we took like almost two weeks off and I was like not in hardly any pain for those two weeks. And I was also wow. like sleeping more. Um, but I also wasn't eating that great. I actually tried like having an alcoholic beverage for the first time in like six months and mm -hmm. but you know my pain levels are really like non-existent I was out gardening I was doing housework wow. like just living this life that I thought was like you know so far beyond like what I was capable of anymore um, all the things over the winter that I've been worried about like am I gonna be able to do this stuff anymore I rode my bike like the day wow. I went back to the office back pain and initially I was like okay what did I do to tweak my back yesterday I must have done something and I'm sitting there thinking or this is correlated with like the stress of going back to work well that sounds pretty undeniable yeah 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 right? maybe it was just a coincidence you know but like it's pretty especially because when I did start having you know having these episodes back in um back in like December um, I would, I would always notice that like, well, it's not as intense on the weekends, you know, it was always mm. during the week. So, well, and I think with work too, you know, there's a, there's an added stress of like the anxiety of having to be reliable, like, and with our physical body dealing with this injury, one of the biggest things is we feel unreliable and it seems unpredictable. So when you don't have the, uh, the obligation to be there and mm -hmm. to be expected. And especially like you're a success motivated oriented person. Like mm -hmm. I can only imagine you refuse to settle. Like, mm -hmm. like you do your job, you do it good, mm -hmm. which is even more stress mm -hmm. because you're holding yourself to such a high standard, which is respectable, but in the same sense, think about like the, the anxiousness that comes with that, knowing that the unpredictability of your pain. Yeah. Yeah. That's spot on 100%. Not only yeah. the unpredictable, not only the unpredictability of my pain, but the unpredictability of how my mind and my body is going to respond to the pain. And mm. it's just like, it's almost like, I feel like the perfect storm with me as somebody with a history of mental illness. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to navigate um, pain and potentially like life, you know, life-changing injuries um, when you're somebody who suffers from, um, you know, depression and anxiety. And um, actually like throughout this process, throughout like the major, major like depression and anxiety I was going through, panic disorder, um, you know, we identified that I actually have, um, I haven't, you know, got like a formal diagnosis, but like, you know, it's teetering on OC, like I have OCD tendencies mm -hmm. and not so much in that, like, you know, the, you know, typical, like, you know, compulsions or anything like that. Um, but like, uh, obsessive, you know, the obsessive thought cycles and, the, you know, catastrophizing situations and not being able to like, let go of like obsessions and constantly seeking reassurance. And even when I get that reassurance, it's not like, it's not good enough. Like I have to mm -hmm. seek it again and again, and it's just reinforcing those cycles. So 
OCD like definitely like triggered some kind of like manic depressive episodes. Um, I know when I was in the inner circle, like, you know, we'd have some calls where I'd just be like, you know, like I was really sad, but I think this is gonna, this is gonna open up doors. And like, I'm, you know, I think a lot of good can come out of this. And I still feel that way. But from that, I was going between extremes. I'd have a day where I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like, sure, I can't like go cross country skiing, but like maybe this will encourage me to like, you know, go and help other people somehow. Like maybe I can go back to school, like something like that. And I would get really excited about it. And then I would just like crash. Yeah. Major, major depressive episode for like days. Like high highs and low lows. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm So, so it revealed a lot within my brain that, you know, it's probably just been kind of bubbling under the surface for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily bad that I'm aware of those things now. So um, getting to know my mind a lot more, um, it's triggered, you know, me like exploring my s- spirituality more mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, meditating and um, like really you know listening to my body and like kind of like you know even influencing like you know some of the the books I'm reading and stuff like that about like you know um the mind body connection and yeah that very fascinating but you know it's it sucks because like you know this experience can be so traumatic but it really makes you such a more like self-aware, compassionate person. Mm. And for that, I'm really grateful, I guess. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I've said this to my therapist, like multiple times since this past winter is like, I'm like proud of like how much I've grown through this. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, a different person like absolutely and and it's funny because the the stuff that used to stress me out to the max like certain things that would happen at work or whatever it's just like at this point I'm just like who cares whatever <laughs> like because yeah. when you go through such a dark period you're just like I don't know things just some things just seem so insignificant now <laughs> well it, it um it totally puts all your priorities in perspective like I always used to say it flips your priorities upside down. Mm-hmm. Everything that was on the bottoms now at the top and everything that was at the top is now yeah. on the bottom. So right. Yeah. Right. right? Like mm-hmm. I had, but spent like, you know, I spent the last 10 years stressing about like becoming successful in my career. And like mm-hmm. when all my, you know, my physical health or I, you know, thought my physical health was just being snatched away from me. All I wanted to do was quit my job and go work at like a nursery or so, like a garden nursery, you know, and like, suddenly I'm like, I don't care. I don't care how much money I make because you know what, without physical health, what am I going to do with it? You know, like I, it's so like fascinating with all the different people that I work with, because a lot of the people that I attract are people of like mind in the sense that they want to be successful they've always lived a life of like motivated to progress and every one of us I mean that's me to a t right like I was like climbing the corporate ladder had my career I was gonna have the house the kids the husband like mm-hmm. I had everything that I ba, 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 ba. Mm-hmm. and then the universe put a stop to everything real quick uh-huh. like 
screeching halt. <laughs> right. And I look back now, I hated my job. Right. I, I was so stressed out, Liv, like how you said you were like eating like crap, not exercising really anymore, yeah. working a shit ton of hours, mm-hmm. super stressed. That was me when things, when the shit hit the fan in 2018 with my back. Mm-hmm. And I, myself included, and everyone that I've worked with, it truly has like opened up a path mm-hmm. for all of us to find a deeper purpose in our life, deeper appreciation for our mind, our body, our life, and the people in it. Like, mm-hmm. it's so true. Like, it's the worst thing we've ever gone through. Like most people will say it's the worst thing they've ever experienced, but at the same time, it's one of the best because it's changed them forever in such a positive way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like my hat, like having a near death experience is like, yeah. how I think about it. And like, yeah. for me, I think I was almost like dangerous close to like taking that quite literally. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's like, I think that this has resulted in me living far more presently than I ever have, which has always been something that I've, you know, told myself, oh, I got to work on this. I got to start, you know, stop getting anxious over the future and, you know, thinking about the past and whatever. And, And now it's like, you know, anything, anytime I'm doing something without like, thinking about pain or like being in pain, whether it's going to Trader Joe's or spending a weekend camping with my family. Like I am acutely aware that I just, I mean, I think about it like multiple times. I'm just like, I, I didn't think I'd be doing this this summer. Like the last weekend I was camping with my family. I'm just like, this did not seem like something that would have been possible back in February. Um, it's oh. and it's like it's it's like an enlightenment almost like a transcendence right like yeah, yeah kind of sometimes I kind of hate using those words because people are like, here we go but like with your with your moon <laughs> with your moon mirrors in the background I my love plants it. and my I have some crystals over here yes here's mine uh, here we go I got my crystal I got oh my, my oil yeah here's that's, my, yeah <laughs> that's what it does is it makes you like I don't know you look for grounding like it's the most ungrounding experience like absolutely you know it's just absolute chaos turmoil mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's just awful and that's what happens is we start to look for like wholesome ways to ground ourselves Mm -hmm. and we learn so much like you said the self-awareness and like what you actually learn because it becomes about necessity for you individually so like your wants don't matter anymore Mm -hmm. and when your wants are taken away that's like the definition of canceling out the noise like when you're stripped down to survival and need and true necessity and that's it you learn who the hell you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't like what you uncover either. Right. And then it's the catalyst for change in your life because yeah. you realize you don't really like the person you are, or you don't like things about yeah. you or how you react or how you respond or how you handle things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like, like you said, you've uncovered so much about your own mind that 
who knows if you didn't go through all this as horrible as it's been and as challenging as it still is like you might never have discovered any of this about yourself no yeah I'm living I think I've seen you like or I've heard you use the term like you know um you know kind of going under the surface um or um trying to think of the term that mm-hmm. I use but yeah you're like you're going beyond like surface level living I, yeah. I or before I was just like living on the surface and now right. I'm really like rooting myself I'm like digging deeper it's like you know forced me to sit with discomfort both emotionally mentally um and and physically um all because up until this point you know I would just avoid that my therapist would always be like you know you need to meditate and just sit with the uncomfortable thoughts I'd be like yeah no it doesn't sound like something I want to do but now now I have to you know because Mm -hmm. I can't escape him because it's these uncomfortable thoughts are associated with something I'm feeling or experiencing like directly and so learning how to sit with those and still like go about my day regardless of them is um you know almost feels like superpower to me now oh oh I love that yes (laughs) you know I think like for people who are fast-paced which a lot of like career driven success oriented humans like if you feel you're like that kind of person likely you feel true to the statement that like you're a fast-paced human and I think for a lot of us fast-paced humans something like this is necessary for us to slow the heck down and actually gain fulfillment out of life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if we're so success driven success is not equivalent to fulfillment yeah that's I love that so right yeah like if I stayed at my job, I was assistant manager at a bank. Yeah. yeah I, I was doing great. Yeah. I could have been a regional manager at some point, no doubt in my mind. And, but I would, that's not me. <laughs> like I, I look at Katie now doing what I do now. And I'm like, like, this is what I'm meant to do is mm-hmm. in this world, like what I'm doing, it will evolve and change as time goes by. But like, yeah, I never, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. I never, I had to literally go through everything I've gone through to be here. And like that, I know. And mm-hmm. I also have gotten to the point with like being a mom, like the thought of that, like I can't even imagine the mother I would have been had I not gone through all this versus a mother I can be now. And I would want the mother I can be now for my kids over the mother I would have been if this didn't happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's deep. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yes. And I, so I feel the same way in regards to like how I feel about being a partner, you know? Yeah. To my husband, like looking back on, you know, like navigating life without, you know, without being in pain or like, you know, without, or, you know, being in less pain or whatever. And like, how you know there's just little things that you 
take for granted and you like to like life is moving so fast sometimes that you don't even really like see each other um you, you could be in the same room and you just don't even mm-hmm. really see each other but like I see him more now like both literally and figuratively yeah I know um, exactly what you mean it's not that I didn't want to I just I guess I didn't even realize that and I think you know both of me said like you know it goes both ways I mean you know he gets he gets busy and you know it's you know we don't we can be spending time together but don't feel like it's quality time you know but now right. now the time we spend together I just it just means so much more in it again and it goes back to like like learning how to be more compassionate and more like um you know how you know compromising and like just being a more um just to to be a better friend a, a, a better partner you know it's I so I totally get what you're saying like I think this is just it has an effect on your relationships and it sucks because like at first it can feel like it's kind of straining those relationships in your case like you know it felt like it was almost like even threatening like you know that relationship that like even possibility to be a mother but once Mm -hmm. you get over that like you know and realize that like no I do deserve this and I do deserve this person and I do deserve the things that I want like you just start to have a whole new appreciation for certain people and certain relationships and um, yeah the the appreciation just for possibility like yeah Yeah. like when possibility exists again in your life like for me I'm at that phase now just recently in like the last two months I, I have kind of had like a holy shit moment continuously for the last two months because I never thought I would get here ever Mm -hmm. you know like truly I struggled which is why I talk about it so much because Mm -hmm. I have struggled with it so much the belief that healing is even possible Mm -hmm. and it's been like it's an adjustment Mm -hmm. to the possibility now Mm -hmm. And the appreciation I have for possibility is like, you know, when you're in a space, yeah, when you're in a space where like options just exist because you're young and, and capable and kind of the world is at your fingertips or whatever, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then that all gets taken away. Possibility means more than anything. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know in your late twenties, early thirties, I think, you know, maybe not to these extremes, but I think that's something a lot of people struggle with, struggle with as they get older is like, sometimes it happens really fast, like through injury or something. And sometimes it's just like throughout the years, you just notice like, you know, there's options that slowly get taken away with you. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like reflecting on it, that was something that I was deeply like struggling with very deeply, even before, like, you know, beyond the past six months, um, mm-hmm. was like kind of like reminiscing on, you know, being younger, being in my teens, being in my twenties, having like kind of the whole world out in front of you and almost like living with regret that 
you know, I didn't take advantage of the opportunities when I had them. And I was struggling a lot with just like the process of getting, of getting older and, um, you know, having like, you know, less, less and less options. And then this all hit. And I think it just like exacerbated that emotion for me, like, yep. And here we are. And now I don't have now I feel like I don't have any options and this is going to be the rest of my life. And it's, um, it's, yeah. When you're in your, like, when, and this is most of my people, right. Is late twenties, early to mid thirties. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the, the phase in our life that we always assumed we would kind of have our shit together right (laughs) like right like at that point it's like okay if you wanted a home maybe you would have purchased the home by now if kids Mm -hmm. is what you wanted maybe you would have a kid or two by like 32 you know Mm -hmm. like we've all we all have our timelines regardless of what society says we should or shouldn't whatever like we have all had our own personal wants and timelines and like I really struggled with like I'm 28 what do I have to show for it yeah right? Like that, that for me and like feeling like having to start all over at Mm -hmm. like 30. Right. Right. Start from scratch, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. losing a job or losing an income like that for me was one of the biggest regrets I had was Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much money I was making at such a young age and how much money I could have saved or invested, like Mm -hmm. been way more strategic with, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, I, uh, all my money is where it needs to go now. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. it taught me, right. It taught yeah. me though. That's yeah. the thing. Like I learned and I wouldn't have learned it otherwise to that mm-hmm. extreme. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's a very, it's a very powerful, it's a hard lesson to, to learn, but it's, and I think you know, one of the upsides is, you know, realizing, I think for me, this process has also taught me that like, it's not too late sometimes to change Mm. your path, especially when you're kind of forced into it, right? Like, if this triggers something triggers a different path for me in some way or the other, like, this is just like how the universe the universe planned it <laughs> people start over at 30 yeah. 40 50 all yeah. the time that's the thing like I started really having those thoughts of like I'm 28 it was when I was even when I was like 25 I'm 25 what do yeah. I have to show for it and now I'm like I still have that thought you know I still oh, I have think moments. we all do yeah yeah I was comparing ourselves to other people and like yeah social media can be the devil in that extent oh, but like God. yeah um it's so true. Like mm-hmm. I would rather be starting over in a sense and have a life that I like get fulfillment out of mm-hmm. than have all the boxes checked by my original timeline and be mm-hmm. like half the depth of a human I am now. Right. Right. You know, because we change so much. I like in your twenties, your brain is still very much developing. 
which is wild which is wild because like why do they tell us at 18 that we need to decide what we want to do for the rest of our lives and go to college for it seriously <laughs> like, seriously who let me do that that was <laughs> it's so true i mean i think about when i was 18 are you kidding me that was so ridiculous <laughs> wow i know it's so backwards it really is because now and I think about this a lot too is that like oh if I could go back now I would go back to school for something something in the medical field something in um, in the healthcare field and I kick myself for not recognizing that that's like what I would want but on the flip side of that the only reason I've recognized it now is because of the path that I've been down exactly so you know because right. if you had originally started there you might have been that doctor or that practitioner or whatever your yeah. role is that you just said is lacking empathy that's such a good point that's a huge point yep mm-hmm. you know right maybe I would have enjoyed it but I would have wouldn't have been like as good you know yeah you wouldn't have been the best that you could be right you just wouldn't have had the same experience and that's what I think about a lot too is like I've like I so I would really love to go back to school for occupational therapy and this was something that I was even thinking about before I you know had this this big episode this Mm. this winter where I had actually been like kind of looking into um like getting some like prerequisites maybe to go back to school for um for a degree in occupational therapy and I like when I think about it still I get really excited because I just get excited about like the thought of being able to help people who are in my position having been there and been able to like reassure people that like it's not going to feel like this forever, especially because occupational therapy does deal a lot with like the mental health side of things Mm -hmm. Um, as like, aside from physical therapy, like, which just kind of really focuses on like your, you know, the physical aspect of the injury, like occupational therapy is all about like learning to live with like, you know, chronic disease and illness and like, you know, how to cope both, both physically and mentally. And to me, I'm just like, man, that could be something that I would be really passionate about. Yeah, because it encompasses both aspects. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. exactly why I do what I do. It's mm-hmm. the same exact thing. Like to be able, I had a woman uh, I just started working with who reached out to me and she was like, I know you're not a medical professional, but like, I want to work with you. And I was mm-hmm. like, and we did our first session. And every time I, I work with someone new, I'm like, this is why I'm doing this. Like yeah. just- the level of understanding that you can provide someone where you've walked in their shoes, Mm -hmm. it's, you can't match it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in this world that can fill that space in you. Like someone who knows to the core, what you've gone through. There's just nothing. Especially at this age, right? Because I think we're approaching the age, like late twenties, early thirties, where, Mm -hmm. you know, people start like experiencing, you know, back pain, herniated discs more or whatever, but it, it's, you know, not super likely that, you know, somebody directly, and it can be really hard to even like be on social media or something and see people just living their lives, like pain-free, like going backpacking 
backpacking and doing crazy like cycling trips and stuff and I get really like I've definitely had to take a step back from social media quite a bit because I'll get in my own head about that stuff like to see your peers just like not having to navigate the things that you do but you know this has also like brought people into my life that that have gone through this and those connections are really deep and I'm so grateful for them I made a lot of good like new acquaintances acquaintances yeah. new friends and whatever just like kind of like bonding over this shared you know challenge uh, <laughs> um, yeah and uh I actually think about it too like I'm like, man, in 10 years or 20 years, like when everybody's maybe just starting to go through some of these things, I'm going to be like the vet, you know, like, uh-huh. it's okay. I, you're going to be okay. Like I'm going to be like the voice of reason to so many people mm-hmm. who are like just starting to go through these things. And I'd be like, it's okay. I'm a pro in living with for real. <laughs> yeah. I'm a seasoned vet. It is yeah. hard. Like seeing for me, it was seeing all my friends get married, seeing all my friends have kids like all my friends started having kids at the same time that was really really hard yeah Mm -hmm. because you're of course like extremely happy for them but then sad for yourself but also not being able to create the relationship with your friends kids that you want because you're so physically restricted that Mm -hmm. was like a big thing um yeah it's Mm -hmm. there's a whole like I call it like grieving your past self kind of grieving the life the life that you saw for yourself or that you wanted for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of acceptance and coming to terms with your own reality. Mm -hmm. And that takes a long time. Like that process can take years. It can take months. Mm -hmm. It's different for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) This was wonderful. Yeah. We have such good chats. You are so like on the same level. I just, you <laughs> add so much value to the conversation oh, and I appreciate you. you. Yeah. I'm glad I, that I can have a purpose. <laughs> absolutely. Finding purpose in that struggle, right? A hundred percent. And there's so many people that will listen to this that will hear bits and pieces of themselves in what you said. Yeah. Yeah. And just that will make them not feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And I guess for like my closing remarks, uh, you know, I just, if you're somebody who's dealing with chronic pain, who's really, really struggling with the mental aspect of it, like, don't be afraid, like advocate for yourself to get help. And it's really hard right now because there are not enough resources. It took me months to find psychiatry. Luckily, I already had a therapist, but had I not, it probably would have taken a long time to do that. Um, you know, medication is nothing to be ashamed of. It literally yeah. saved my life. It saved my life and it made me, it gave me the strength to be able to navigate around my pain and figure out how to adapt to it and even like start to feel better. Um, so, you know you're not alone in feeling the way that you're feeling and um you know there's there's some really dark days but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's life on the other side of that feeling like I definitely went through a period of a few weeks where I just felt I was like there is no way this is going to get better I cannot foresee this getting ever getting better and spoiler alert it does so positive spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> uh, 
That was such a good, important message. I think that's huge. I think not being afraid or ashamed or not, I think a lot of people, we don't value our emotional health quite enough until it gets really bad. And then sometimes when it gets really bad, we don't know how to get help. Yeah. And it happens really fast sometimes, like within a matter of like days or weeks. And for me, it's just like, once I, it it can be such a slippery slope. And for me, like my body typically tells me that I'm like struggling before my mind does. So a lot of times it'll present itself like through like physical pain heart palpitations is something I've been dealing with um Mm. years and it's like you know those are my fast first signs that I'm like you know need to rest and I don't always listen and I pay the price so you know it's like there is such a stigma around mental health around being on medication and that's why I talk about it as much as I do because to let people they're not alone to tell people it's okay to like seek help and that it's not you know, yeah, they're not, they're not alone in their, in their fight. I mean, it's just such an important message to get out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And to have the, the willingness, I think to like the willingness to value and invest in your emotional health. I think there's mm-hmm. such a lack of um, validation in that financial and energetic investment. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people, it's the last thing on the list. Yeah. And right. it especially be, when you're navigating a physical injury that's also costing money. <laughs> right. And it it can be hard to validate spending money on mm-hmm. something that's helping you emotionally, mm-hmm. but we are proof, prime yes. examples that the emotional investment is just as freaking important if not more. Yes, there's such a strong connection between mm-hmm. the physical and the emotional being like stronger than most people realize and there are some really great books if I were like recommend a book I haven't actually finished yet I had to put it down for a little bit because I it was a little bit triggering for me to like read it um but um I think I'm probably in the place now where I can pick it up again but the body keeps the score is like a really good read have you read that I haven't read it but I know that's one that people are always talking about Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah So it's, it is interesting once you start exploring that you kind of start to put the pieces together and like, okay, this is, <laughs> I do, I do mm-hmm. need to address this. Like, um, yeah, it's something that you should be putting first. And it, it's, it's hard when you're going through a situation that's like, for me, it was like, it was feeling like, okay, the physical pain is what's causing my mental state to like deteriorate. And it doesn't feel like the physical pain is ever going to get better. So that means I must, I'll never get better. And it, it felt like it went through a period where I just felt like there's literally no escape. There's no escaping this. And that yeah. was like daunting to me, but, but there is always, sometimes you just might need to look a little harder for the solution. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to bring up this one thing and mm-hmm. then we'll wrap this up. Mm-hmm. I literally remember like, I remember for like three or four months straight, Mm -hmm. I would wake up and I literally couldn't move. Yeah. And Eric would get my ice pack. It would be four o'clock in the morning before he'd leave for work. I remember I would be afraid to fall asleep 
because I was in so much pain when I woke up. Yeah. Yes. I went I, through that. Mm-hmm. Being so afraid just to fall asleep. Like all you want is to be able to sleep comfortably. Like it's important for us. I do think too, like once we get to the other side, these types of conversations are really good to have to remember where we've been because it can be easy to get complacent Yes. once we start feeling better. And like, that's why I wanted to like take the time to say this honestly for myself, because <laughs> I, I need that reminder because Eric would literally get the ice pack at four o'clock in the morning. I would have to lay on the ice pack until it was like done. So 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I would be able to get myself out of my bed. And I remember walking, literally, it felt like my hips. I To this day, I don't know what it was. Yeah. It literally, I could hardly lift my feet. Oh my, my hips, my hips literally felt like shattered glass. Oh my God. And I, I don't know. It was after I had SI joint injections is what it was actually and it lasted for three or four months right because those are like right directly click like when they say you have si joint pain it's like a telltale sign that you like feel in your hips too Mm. right so and it would take me like i mean my bedroom's there and my bathroom's right there i live in a small apartment and it would take me like 15 minutes to literally inch my way and then i would have to soak in an epsom salt bath for three hours i would lay in the tub i would turn the water on get it hot again with my foot yeah turn the water on for three hours i would soak in a tub every morning and that would get me to the point just to where i could walk around my apartment jesus and that was when i that was when i was like i don't know how i'm gonna do this yeah yeah yeah, when you go th- when you're going through that for three months to three four months straight, it's like easy to lose faith that it's ever gonna get better. It is, <laughs> and it's just such proof that like unrelenting pain, it can get better. Like it, yeah, <laughs> just like you said, like yeah. But when you're in the thick of unrelenting pain, it's maddening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay yeah everybody take a deep breath and it's sometimes like really it can be really traumatizing and like very triggering too to sometimes talk about that for me and I'm sure you go through that too Mm. yeah I'm like like, sweating today I'm gonna like tonight I'll have to like you know do some real good self-care just to kind of because I do make the mistake sometimes of like sitting and thinking about that really dark period too much and then yes. it almost triggers those emotions again. And it's well, and there's such a real fear of going backwards too. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. and that it is, it's navigating the line of like appreciating where you've been and not letting it consume you. Yes. Because yes. the fear of going backwards is a dangerous place to be too, yes. because that just mm-hmm. holds us back from getting better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but I'm sure both of us at this point have to adjust positions. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. We still both no. have pain. I mean, we yeah. both aren't like hundred percent pain-free yet. Got a little like cushy nest in my bed here. So yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. Yeah, thank you. And 
You're welcome. And <laughs> I'm going to end the recording, but don't leave, okay? okay? Okay. Stand by. Oh my gosh. You guys who are listening right now, I just listened to that whole episode before I'm actually posting it for you guys to listen to. And gosh, what what a good deep honest conversation that was you know like I also I'm just getting over a cold that's why I sound like this obviously but you know these these things that Liv was talking about this is exactly why I do what I do because these are the conversations that you're not having you're likely not having with the different practitioners that you're seeing, right? Like this just, this is such a big piece of injury recovery or navigating chronic pain and healing and dealing with the emotional effects, not just the physical effects, but the emotional effects and how that ripples out into our daily life and into us as a person that no one really talks about. Like when you go to the doctor, you've been dealing with chronic pain or you've been diagnosed with something, whatever your case may be, this is where I think a lot of us are left to feel one of the biggest words is dismissed, right? Like so many of us will feel so dismissed or so just not seen because it's like there's this whole other side of what we're living that that other people don't really see or doctors don't really touch upon. And this this is the gap that my work, this is what I feel like I am here to fill is to provide the space for those of us going through this to talk about this and to heal through this together because these things are real and I think Liv did such an excellent job she was so honest and so vulnerable on here but I hope that there are those of you listening right now that felt and heard bits and pieces of yourself and you felt some comfort and you felt some ease and you felt like all right if she got through it, you know, there's hope for me or, okay, I'm not so alone or like, okay, this actually is kind of normal for what I'm going through. You know, we can really start to feel like there's something wrong with us when we feel so emotionally like, what's the word? It's tumultuous. Tumultuous is a word, but I don't know if that's a word. I'm, that's not really what I'm just like so torn up, like so torn up emotionally when And when there's not other people in your life that can really understand that, you know, it's, am I overreacting? Like, am I really this bad? Or like, you start to really question your own state of mind. And it's a scary, shaky place to be. And you can be an emotionally strong, mentally strong, you know, success-driven individual and still deal with this emotional instability. And I want to make that clear. You know, all of my clients are very capable women. Every single one of them. They're not damsels in distress. They're not, you know, these weak little beings that are like, I need help. <laughs> you know, like, so you can be a strong person and still need help and still be uncertain about kind of what the heck's going on and still feel really freaking down and feel really depressed. And these are very much 
pieces of the process that we all have to go through. Just like Liv said, like, spoiler alert, there is life on the other side, but you likely have to go through these waters to get to what that life looks like on the other side for you. Just like Liv has had to, just like I have had to, just like all my other clients have had to, you have to go through the thick, deep, heavy parts But I'm here to go through that with you. The women in the inner circle are here to go through that with you. That is what the foundation of my business is and my work is so that you don't have to navigate that alone. Because I know what it's like to navigate that alone. I know what these women, what their lives were like when they had to navigate it alone prior to to having people, you know? So my point is, is you guys out there, you have people, you're you're not alone. It's so cliche, but like, you have to understand and you don't understand it until you experience it. The power of going through something like this with people who get it is an element of healing that nothing else can quite like replicate. Like that in and of itself, just being surrounded by people who get it. And it sounds all deep and heavy, but what it does is it creates a lightness. It creates such a lightness And what you're going through, it lifts the weight, it lifts the heaviness and we can laugh and we can joke and we can cry, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's, there's heavy parts and it's deep, but the lightness that is created from like going into the depth with people who get it is just unmatched. And I could go on forever in my deep Katie brain, needless to say, shout out to Liv, that was incredible. Um, you guys, oh, I linked in the show notes, the book, the body keeps the score that she recommended. You guys can go check that out. I will post my link, um, that has my Facebook, my Instagram, my, all my links for like my course. Um, but to really work with me in a one-on-one setting or to even get in with us on the inner circle, it's really just having a conversation with me. So in my link, as of right now, if you're watching, I mean, listening to this near when I posted it. As of right now, my website link will have a link where you can purchase a one-on-one session with me. That's what I recommend you start with. Everybody, let's just connect. Let's do our first session together. And from there, we'll really be able to see kind of what the next best, what the best next steps are for you and all that I offer and all that I do. So I hope you really got something out of this. I hope you laughed. I hope maybe you cried even. And I will see you guys very soon on the next episode. Thank you so much for being here, and as always, take care of yourself.